Welcome everybody to episode 76 of Leading Ladies Corpus Christi. I'm sitting across from our new KIII weekend anchor and you're also reporting. Yes, throughout still the week, reporting. Talking Taylor Alanise. Okay. Welcome. Thank you for coming on a Saturday before work too. Oh no, thank you so much for having me. I'm like feel honored. I've listened to your podcast and a bunch of the ladies on here, so to be among all these ladies, I feel I feel very special. Thank yes, you. you've been on the list for a long time. <laughs> yeah, like I've had y'all ever since I met you, actually, which has been a couple of years ago, because yeah. you used to work, or Dale used to work with you. Mm-hmm. And how does it feel to be behind the desk now? Oh, it just, it feels so good. It feels so right, you know? I mean, I've always been interested in anchoring, and it's kind of one of those things where I was bugging the heck out of management, and for a while... For a year, we didn't have a news director, so it was like, yeah, oh, how did who you do, do that? I go to? So I don't know. We managed <laughs> to survive. Um, there was definitely, you know, some frustrations, and, and sure. communication, of course, was a little off. But mm-hmm. when we finally got a news director, and she's awesome, um, it was she made it really easy to go to her with oh, open she? door policy. Yes, fantastic. It, yeah, we got some female leadership in the newsroom. Finally, it's really exciting. And she's one of those people that makes you feel really comfortable to be around. Like, she's, you know, there's managers where you're like, uh, you Absolutely. know, I'm not sure about. But she's just someone that has a really good personality. And really, you can tell she listens when you talk. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I did when I met her was like, hi, I'm Taylor. I'm really interested in anchoring, you know. <laughs> good so, for you. And Well, it's just, it's so I've been in the business for about five years now, mm-hmm. and it's something that I've always looked at. I mean, I love reporting, don't get me wrong. I think that's where the excitement is. Um, but I'm I, always, I would agree with that. But I feel like you don't, unless you're doing like a lot of feature stories, you don't really get the chance to show your personality, especially mm-hmm. with hard breaking news. You can't be, you know, smiling when someone just passed away or of an course. accident, of course. You know, that's not the time to show your personality but I feel like the platform of being on a desk you finally kind of get to relate to people mm-hmm. it's kind of a different dynamic and I've just been waiting to get to that spot and after bugging people for the longest time I finally got the opportunity and my boss told me a couple weeks ago like we're, we're finally giving it to you yes. and thanks for being patient and absolutely I was like, uh, but Seriously, persistence was key. I mean, I'm sure management hated me for a second because I was literally like on at their door every week, like, what's going on? What's, you know, yeah, you the spot yet? Are you looking at anyone else? What's wrong with me? Like, you know, it, and it wasn't that I was insecure, but it was just like a little frustrating because Absolutely. when you want something so bad, and I know patience is a virtue, but it's like, I felt like it, it had been a while. So I feel. I'm really happy to be Absolutely, in this spot. I'm girl. excited. I'm you, excited. You made it happen. I mean, yeah. really, that, that persistence is so important. Um, and, and I have to be honest. I mean, I don't know too much about, like, the typical career of somebody who's in the, the field that you're in. Mm-hmm. But for you to go from reporter to now anchoring within five years seems pretty, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think this industry, a lot of people say it's about who you know, but... It, for it being all around the world in the U.S., it's actually a small world. Yes. Everyone pretty much knows each other. So, you know, I could know three people at one station. Another person could know five. We all know each other. So it's not necessarily who you know. It's all about timing. Absolutely, Timing yes. is everything in that this is, business. Thank you for saying and that. No, it, it's really true. And sometimes you just have to trust the process. And I know it can get frustrating, obviously. But it's being there is like, okay. 
we, yeah, I'm here, I did it, mm -hmm. you know, so we'll see how it goes, but it, yeah, I mean, some people will get it within, like, the first year out of college. I had a friend who's now in Pennsylvania, oh, main wow. anchor there. Is that there. a big market? I don't know. Yes. Okay. It, it, and she's up there on billboards and, and, you know, doing promos and stuff, and she started off anchoring in the morning, like, she, it was just a chance. She was in a market where they gave opportunities to college students right off the bat. Oh, and wow. She started off as an anchor, and she grew within, I think she was there for only two years, and she grew so much. And, like, some people do it. For some people, they just start off at the desk. Mm -hmm. Others, it takes a while. But, I mean, everyone has their own, you know, process. But, yeah, I guess I'm being humble about it. But <laughs> No, I, uh, I mean, you know, you can always appreciate humility, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's definitely endearing. Mm -hmm. um, but, too, you're not... You aren't discounting the fact that you were persistent, that you worked hard, that you put in the time. I mean, that's important. People need to hear that. That tenacity is yeah, important. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, here you are, though, right? Yeah. So it does pay off. Yeah. And so I have to relate this to something that just happened to me this week. So, you know, due to my persistence, not necessarily in trying to, to find a sponsor, but just in doing what I do and interviewing awesome ladies like you, a sponsor found me. And so now I'm going to be implementing, you know, a shout out to them in the podcast. And so she was actually one of my leading ladies. Her name was Heidi Havda. Or her name is Heidi Havda. And she's going to be having an event every first Friday at the Art Museum of South Texas downstairs. And it's called Verbal Inc. And so what it is is she's going to have people come through and tell stories. She's going to pick these people first and hear their stories first before they, they get on stage. But what's really neat about this is that she's so passionate about the creatives here in this community that she wants people to bring cash and give cash to those storytellers that they enjoy most. So the storytellers, you know, if you do a good job and kind of sing for your supper kind of thing, right. you're going to walk away with some cash. That's neat. It's super cool. I've never heard of anything like that no, before. No, I mean, it's, so I think it happens in like bigger cities, but so she's trying to bring that kind of thing here, encourage the creativity, and of course, the more creative you are, the more endearing you are to the audience, the more likely you are to get some cash, <laughs> and, uh, you know, if all goes well... You know, she might do an elevated content one or something, but um, the idea is really, really neat. So the first one's going to be January 3rd, so the first Art Walk of 2020. So tell your friends. It's gonna be hey, super I'm off cool. on Fridays now, so Dude. well, I've been off on Fridays. My schedule's changed a little bit, but yeah. I'm definitely gonna go. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it is. And if you go through, so the Art Museum charges a dollar to get in to on Art Walk night. If you go through and tell them at the door you're with leading ladies, you won't have to pay the dollar. Like they'll, oh, awesome. they'll, yeah, they'll cover that dollar. So it's like just bring your money and you know give a buck or two to whoever you find to be the most entertaining storyteller. That's so yeah, tell everybody. But yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it more. But yeah, so I just think it's interesting that you stuck with what you really enjoyed doing, and now you're here on this like new adventure. But I want to okay. backtrack a little bit. Okay. So what made you decide that you wanted to go into what would you call it? Journalism. Yeah, yeah. journalism. Um, well, I was a theater kid, <laughs> and I was a choir kid. I loved musical theater. Um, I grew up, my dad would take me to Broadway shows. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, no, I, oh, my dad. Because you're from San Antonio. Yeah, I'm from San Antonio, okay. so we would always go to the Majestic. Um, in fact, I'm going to, I don't know when this is going to air, but, um, I'm Next taking, Wednesday. yeah, I'm taking him <laughs> to, I'm not, it's a surprise, so I won't have him listen to this till later. Yeah. But I'm taking him to see the San Antonio Symphony at the Majestic. Ooh. It's Wizard of, They're going to be playing Wizard of Oz and playing yeah. in the background. So um, we've always just been into music and movies. And um, I don't know. Like, I just always loved 
performing or I was never afraid of being in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, of I, course I, I think nerves. that's an amazing <laughs> quality. It, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I was never afraid of being in front of an audience or public speaking or anything like that. And then every morning before school, I would, um, like in elementary school, middle school, high school, I would always switch between GMA and MTV or mm-hmm. Fuse or VH1 because I would have to listen to my music videos, but then I loved watching the news. Yes. I was always li- I always liked being informed and just knowing what was going on in the world. And then um, when I was this started really early, so when I was no, like, I love hearing <laughs> this. I love hearing when people. It's rare that, that yeah. some people kind of knew from a very very early age what they were going to yeah, do. Yeah, like I I I kind of wanted to be like a a print journalist. Um, you know, working in New York City and writing for magazines, but like really in-depth pieces, investigative things. But when I was in daycare, this is kind of like an aside. Wow. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I was in daycare. Um, I was sick and there was like a flu going around or something. And Ursula Perry, who's a um, main female anchor in San Antonio, she still is at the ABC affiliate KSAT there. And uh, she came to interview, like, I guess, kids with the flu. I don't know. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I don't know why she'd want to be near us. But... <laughs> <laughs> so I remember being with my mom because she approached the daycare and was like, do you have a student? And they're like, oh, we have a perfect tailor. She talks so much. Like, she'll be perfect for it. Well, I thought I would be perfect for it. But then as soon as she asked me, she was like, so, you know, I hear you've not been feeling. How have you been feeling? And I was just looking at her like, good. <laughs> like, I... Th- I'm feeling horrible. I have the flu and I'm just staring at her like, mm-hmm. you're so pretty. Good. <laughs> like, so embarrassing. But I always had like an awe for like news anchors and like what they do and informing people. And she was like the creme de la creme in San Antonio. I mean, she still is. She's mm-hmm. still around. Um, and I always admired her because I thought she would, like looked like a businesswoman and she was beautiful and she could tell people what was going on. I mean, she was the people that the face that people were, you know, waking up to or going to bed at night, just being like, "Hey, this is what's going on. This is what you need to know tomorrow and stuff like that." And I just That's thought awesome. that was really neat. But then, like growing up, I was like, I want to be a serious writer and I want to, you know, write for magazines and do investigative pieces. So in high school, that's so cool. Yeah. I did print journalism, and I did so much stuff in high school that I actually didn't have time to do print journalism until my last year there, even though I always wanted to. And I was like, "Uh, I don't know if this is necessarily for me, but then again, it might have been because I was just in high school, so... I remember doing, I don't know, our stories were really small and like campus related. And like, I think like the coolest story I did was that my friend Rosa got a smart car. (laughs) It was like the first smart car like in the area. That's news. So I was like, yeah, but I mean, I just was like, I don't know if this is for me. Um, And then I just thought about broadcasting and I was like, I mean, I could do that, you know? So um, I went to UTSA. Um, I live five minutes from the campus. So it was kind of like I was already immersed in that culture. Unfortunately, they didn't have journalism. I was in a program to That's get That's surprising. Yeah. Well, now they do. Mm. But back then, they didn't. And my plan was to go to UT. I was in something called the CAP program, where you go to a UT-affiliated school, and then after a year, if you maintain your GPA and um, your hours, you can, you're automatically admitted into the next year. Wow. Well... <laughs> 
That didn't happen. I had a lot of fun. And oh, who didn't? No Let's regrets. I mean, I loved UTSA. Like, I wasn't sure that I would because I was like, I kind of grew up in this and like, it's right next door and I want to go far and, you know, live my life. And Absolutely. But I really loved it. I made a lot of friends there. Um, I joined a sorority. I had a lot. I just, I felt at home there, but I was like, all right, if I'm going to do what I want to do, I have to transfer no matter how much I love it here because and people have done it where they don't you know get a degree in journalism and then they just get in the industry and then how? there they are I have no like they have like a, a communications degree oh, okay. but then but there's okay. no journalism right. in that at all but I can I, see how they can justify a hire I mean even if well whatever <laughs> that's a whole other yeah, conversation no, I, but... yeah I actually have a, a friend of mine that just graduated from UTSA and started in a small market went to San Antonio and now she's in Houston wow yeah and she's my age so like she again people have different paths and yes. different ways of doing things and I'm trying to in my head I was like you know what I got to get some training and figure out what I'm going to do. But before I transferred, I ended up transferring to Texas State. I got an internship. That's an excellent school. Yeah, no, I, oh, it's so, and it's such a beautiful campus. Mm -hmm. I regret not spending enough time, like, hanging out. But we'll get to that. No regrets. No regrets. But, um, yeah, no, I, before I transferred, I did an internship program, and I went to KSAT, the ABC affiliate in San Antonio, and interned there, and it was definitely one of those experiences where if you, you know that this is the place for you, and Mm -hmm. this is, that's exactly what I thought, like, I was an intern, I was sitting behind the assignments desk with, if people don't know the assignments, people listen to the scanners and kind of find story ideas where reporters don't find story ideas. Mm-hmm. So we had heard something about like a major accident and, and I got up right away and I was like, oh, can I go, can I go? Like, I, I want to go. Intern. As an intern. I was like, can wow. I go, please, can I go? And they're like, oh, yep, it's in your blood. Like, mm. you know, this is what you were meant to do. And I had an amazing experience there and I actually had no journalism experience prior to that besides being in high school and doing that one course. So I didn't get a chance to do a lot of writing or anything while I was there because it was kind of like an early internship for me. Mm-hmm. So I do remember them writing, like, needs to practice writing yeah. and stuff. Because I, I didn't know. I hadn't had anything, any classes or anything yep. up until that point. And even if you had, it's easy to get rusty if you don't do it for a little bit, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I was just overwhelmed but like excited about all the people working there because those are a lot of the people that were there like Ursula Perry were people I grew up watching so mm-hmm. it's like so cool to like see them do their job absolutely and, like, you know, like, that's how I feel about Joe Gazin yeah he's always been ex- around exactly like, she's life. like our Joe Gazin yeah. exactly so that's it was awesome. it was just so cool and you know just being in the same room with them and seeing them like hone in on their craft um so yeah I ended up transferring to Texas State um, and got into radio there. I worked for the really? radio. Yeah, I worked for like the little radio station on campus. How cool. KTSW. Were you on the radio? Yes. So, so you I, have a good voice. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things like I could tell they would want you to Thanks. Talk. I didn't do anything like super cool. Um, well, I did one thing. Well, so every, I think Thursday and Tuesday, I would do like the news report. It was literally like a minute something and I would just like find stuff, find news that related to like San Marcos or the campus and I would just like really read and I sounded like a robot because I was young and you know. Yeah, you felt like you needed to. I'm like, today at Texas State, (laughs) this is what happened. She was doing the robot right now. (laughs) Y'all didn't get to see that. So yeah, um, I, and I did a really cool story that like I really wanted do like again so at the time texas state was the number one university for sugar babies 
on SeekingArrangement.com. And if people don't know what SeekingArrangement.com is, it's a site <laughs> where, where young men and women go to find sugar mamas and sugar daddies. <laughs> so there's like a membership that, you know, you don't have to be old. That's so funny. Yeah, you don't have to be like older. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't want to say old. Mm-hmm. Older to like be a part of it like as a sugar daddy a sugar mama but like the sugar daddies and sugar mamas have to like have a certain pay grade and then you like put the you pay for the membership and then the sugar babies don't but it's basically like a a site that like arranges them it's like a like you know how there's like tinder and bubble and all that it's basically like that for like yeah that's hilarious and some you know they've gotten in trouble people have accused them of like prostitution and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but like I'm, I mean, I've met people that said that they were just on there, you know, and they didn't end up having to do anything, and this person gave them money, but I mean, we yeah. don't know. It's kind of... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Great. You'll never know Yeah, actual we'll never know. I don't know if agreements. I want to know. I yeah. mean, I believe if, that, if you're doing that on your own will, go ahead. Exactly. But- <laughs> Same. This is hilarious. But so, at the time, I found that out. Texas State, out of all the universities in the U.S., Texas State was the number one. And I'm like, what? What? Do I know sugar baby? What's going on? So statistically, yes. Yeah. So I um, I went on seeking arrangements and I made a profile and was like trying to find other sugar babies and messaging them. Unfortunately, they found out about it and oh, kicked me off the site. Wow. But not before I got a few sugar babies to talk to me. So I talked to a, a, um, a young woman who told me that she was on it and she did do more than she, she needed to. Yeah. Um, and she kind this of, this is very yeah, interesting. And she regretted it, but her, one of her like really close friends met her current husband on there and he was like giving her cars mm-hmm. and bought her an apartment. And she was like, I feel like that was like more mutual. My yes. situation wasn't. And yes. then I found a young man who was a sugar baby and he was like, yeah, I didn't have to do anything. I just had to help this guy move. And he gave me like a thousand dollars. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like, cool. And I was like, do you think this is, like, a positive thing? Do you, like... Mm-hmm. He was like, I mean, it's it's what you put into it or what you want. You just have to be honest with the other individual. Yep. But it was just so I cool. Because I was, like, in college, I'm like, this is so cool and interesting. So I did, like, a it little, like, segment on, you know, seeking arrangements and how Texas State was number one. But that was, like, my favorite story that I covered. I there. think that's super cool yeah. that you decided to dig in and, like, make the profile and, like, literally be an investigative journalist and then they kicked me off hey. <laughs> i mean it probably wasn't too hard to find me i was like messaging people yeah like, <laughs> well hey this person's messaging me yeah a lot and a of lot course of it's very you know like you you don't want people to know who you are i mean some people are pretty secretive of like what they're doing for sure obviously some people were like out there and were like this is my face and this is my family and this is what i do and i have a wife but i you know she thinks it's okay yeah. so it's you know it's it was it was fun, yeah. but yeah, Texas State was was really cool. I was there for two years, and I actually minored in criminal justice because wow. Well, I've like I said, I've always loved investigative stuff. I've always been fascinated about like true crime, and like that's like my niche. In fact, I just bought a sweatshirt yesterday that says "True Crime and Wine" in bed by nine. <laughs> that's my new favorite sweatshirt. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I minored in criminal justice while I was there. I thought. 
you know, what could kind of help me maybe with terms or like, you know, uh, relations with law enforcement. So every time I work with law enforcement now, it kind of helps me out because I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I minored in CJ and I, I really think this is interesting and it kind of helps because they're like, okay, like she gets it. Mm-hmm. Like she she wants to learn more about this and she's genuinely interested in yes. what we're doing. No, I think that's so. a wise minor. Yeah. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, and it was so cool. And it's funny because I think I got better grades in my criminal justice classes. <laughs> yeah, I think I... Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I think my first forensics exam, I got 100. And I think I got the highest grade in that class. And then there was one class where it was like, I was the only... Well, young woman in the class. It was all men. I think it was like <sighs> policing 101 or something about policing. It kind of went into the history of like the police department of where it all started. And wow. um, my instructor was a woman and she was like all tatted up and cool. And I was like, this, I like this chick. She's yes. cool. And then she would always like call on me because she like respected that I was the only like woman in the class and all the guys were never paying attention and were just like, Argh. And I was there, like, Like genuinely interested. And I thought, well, plus she was a cool professor, and everyone knows, like, if you have a cool professor, it doesn't matter what they say, you're going to pay attention. Absolutely. So, yeah, no, I I loved my time at Texas State, and I was, like, ready as soon as I got out. Like, all right, where am I going? Yes. So so where'd you go? I went to uh, ABC affiliate in Waco, Texas, but... I was a bureau reporter in Colleen. Okay. So what a bureau reporter is, is sometimes there's like a main station that covers so many counties that it'll take them a long time to get from point A to point B. So yes. they decide to put a smaller station at one of like the outskirts, like city. So I was in Colleen in an office that looked like Harry Potter's closet. No joke. <laughs> it was so small. We the had, cupboard under the stairs. It really, we had like, there was a tiny room for our one salesperson that we had, a tiny room for the reporters. There were three of us, but we all had different schedules, so they rarely um, like overlapped. So we didn't really see each other that much. And then a room where, like, our studio was, where we had, like, two computers for editing and then a sign on a blue painted wall. And that was, <laughs> that was our, like, studio mm-hmm. in the bureau. So I was there for two years and it was, it was hard. I'm not going to lie because, because I was in a bureau, I couldn't get the newsroom experience. That's what I was going to say. And yeah. were you lacking on resources too, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I had a photographer there, so it was, it was cool because I guess I should start so currently, I'm obviously a weekend anchor now, but I'm an MSJ. And for people that don't know what an MSJ or MMJ, it's multi-skilled journalist or multimedia journalist. My company says MSJ, others say MMJ. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. So basically, instead of being like a normal reporter, um, I write, shoot, and edit my own stories. Yes, so- she is a <laughs> quadruple threat. Yes, <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Most of the time, I don't have a photographer, so I'm out there doing everything. I don't myself. think people realize because they're so used to like the the movie image of a reporter being chased by a, a man with a camera, <laughs> yeah. and that's not always the case. I think of Scream. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like that. I'm not diva like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Promised myself I would never be that person. But um, no. So. Yeah, I, it's funny though, because when I'm out in the field, like you said, people are very surprised to know that. So a lot of times they'll be like, where's your cameraman? Or like, do you need any help? And like, I'm like, no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I got my stuff. Because <laughs> luckily at this station, I had I have smaller equipment, so it's easier mm-hmm. to carry. Well, this station in Colleen, my stuff was like 
photographer <laughs> heavy duty equipment like my arms looked fantastic yeah. back then because it was just like carrying everything it was a giant camera I don't even know 20 something pounds probably it was a huge camera big tripod wow everything around but yeah it, it could be hard over there um like you said lack of resources um and then sometimes it's clean yeah. and clean and I don't know much about clean so clean is Kind of between Austin and Waco, more to like uh, the west. Um, but the big thing there is Fort Hood, which is I think, mm. the largest military installation in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So that's really where a lot of the news came from is Fort Hood um, and what the military was doing. Um, I covered a lot of the aftermath of the two Fort Hood shootings oh, that wow. happened there wow. um, and the trials that went on. And, um, I mean, sometimes there's really good news, like what our soldiers were doing overseas. And, um, unfortunately my company didn't let me travel with the soldiers, but I had friends that at other stations there that would travel with them. They went to like Japan, they went to England, like they went, yeah, to all, and I think that's cool. There's a lot of opportunities there and I'm grateful even though I did struggle out there because I didn't get that newsroom experience, the hunger that I have now and when I started, wasn't necessarily there because I was alone a lot of the time. And I was like, well, there's nothing going on. I guess I have nothing today. So a lot of the times I wasn't on air because yeah. there just wasn't anything happening. But when there was, oh, the adrenaline rush. It was mm-hmm. so exciting. Um, one of the biggest disappointments I had there was, do you remember the Twin Peaks shooting that happened with the motorcycle clubs in Waco? Um, I'm trying to think, was it 2015? There was some kind of shootout. And we're talking Twin Peaks restaurant. Yes. Yeah, Which I do is no this. longer in Waco. They closed, it, they closed it down. But there was a, a big motorcycle um, club meeting there, and some shots rang out. People got shot. Um, there was, like, this huge aftermath of, was this on purpose? What, what were they doing? Was this illegal things that they were doing? Mm-hmm. What were they meeting about? And I remember getting the phone call because it was a Sunday and I was off on Sundays back then. And I was in San Antonio with my family and they were like, where are you? We need you here. And I'm like, oh, I'm in San Antonio. And like they did team coverage. They did an awesome job at finding out what was going on. But out of kind of missing the main story that happened, I ended up getting the first interview with a um, motorcycle club member that was inside at the time. You're kidding. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. I think I found him on Facebook. Um, oh, you found him. Yeah. I, I, and I don't... I like, wow. I don't know how... Timing. Let me tell you. Social media may be not the best for some people in certain careers, but it's fantastic for journalism because a lot of times that's where we get our stories and that's where we find people because back in the day I mean you interviewed Katya Mm -hmm. you had she she was talking about looking at a phone book if she needed to find someone yes well now we're lucky enough to just not even have to look at a phone book we can just go online and type in their name or type in an event a hashtag and you'll see all the comments and then that's where we find a lot of our stories so I don't remember exactly how I know I found him online I don't remember how though but I ended up talking to him about what happened and, you know, he was saying, you know, I would have never, he was like, we were with our families, you know, we would have never brought our families if we knew something like this was going to happen. And yep. that was a big get for me back there, back then. And that kind of like refueled, like, all right, like mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. And this is what I was meant to do because there were a lot of times where I was like, I don't know, you know, I'm here by myself and nothing's going on. And right. is this what I'm meant to do? Yes. I, is I, this I, it? Yeah. And there's one, and I, 
I met a lot of really great people in, in Waco, Temple Clean, and we even went as far, like our viewing area, as far as College Station, south of Dallas, wow. north of Austin. We covered a big area, so yeah. I was driving all over the place. But And did you like that? Did you like being on the road? Sometimes, yes, because mm-hmm. I would listen to my podcasts mm-hmm. or, you know, just listen to music, but it kind of was a pain in the butt when you're on a deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the traveling, being in the car and just seeing, because it's really pretty out there. Um, but sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, like, and you don't want to get a ticket, but you have to drive fast and, you know, stuff. And it, and I did love, you know, meeting people there, but I will tell you that Central Texas is not South Texas. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, and like I said, not to hate, because I met a really, a lot of nice people there. Of course. Um, and a lot of people I still talk to, but South Texas is very family in oriented and the culture is so diverse here and you just feel a certain warmth here that you don't feel anywhere else and I missed home you know like even if it wasn't San Antonio like I missed home so after my two years was up in Waco or clean um, I didn't resign I was like you know what I'm gonna spend time with my family and my mom it's this is another tangent, but so I love my tangents. last <laughs> my last year in Texas State, my dad was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a blood and bone marrow cancer. Oh man, um, it's incurable. Um, it's something that you can get out of your system, but it will come back. So my dad had a stem cell transplant the summer going into my senior year of uh, at Texas State, and I had told him, you know, Dad let me just take a year off. I want to take care of you because, um, it's just me and my dad. My brother passed away when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my mom remarried and we have my stepdad, love him to death. My step, you know, my half sister, my stepbrother, my stepsister. But with my dad, he never married or had any other kids. So I feel a very close relationship with my dad. Absolutely. And, you know, to take care of him, obviously, as we get older, that's just, you know, what we do. And I just said, dad, like I, it's fine. I'll go back. You know, I just want to be able to take care of you. And he said, no, Mija, like you're almost there. I'm not going to allow you to not go to school and finish. It's important for you to finish. So um, he let me, you know, it was tough, but luckily I had a schedule when I was a senior that I was pretty much just going to school two days a week. So the days I wasn't going to school, I was just driving to San Antonio and hanging out with my dad and taking care of him. So he had the stem cell transplant. Everything was good. Cancer's gone. Not wow. there. Not there. It's, That's fantastic. It's good. Yeah. And um, he is a retired firefighter. So fire, I don't know if you know this, but firefighters have an increased risk of cancer um, than the normal population. I, I don't think I knew, but I knew. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean, if you think about it, it makes sense. Cause like I didn't, I didn't think about, even though my, I grew up, my dad's a fi- retired firefighter, San Antonio fire department. I didn't think about the risks other than a fire, mm-hmm. you know, but it, when people think about it, you know, they go to these fires and especially back then when they don't have this awesome high tech equipment that they have now, they're breathing in all these fumes. Yep. So when you go to a fire, a table, a couch, all these synthetic fibers and stuff with all these chemicals are in the air and they're mm-hmm. breathing this in, you know, and then when they get back, a lot of the time these uh, fire stations don't have um, ventilation, ventilation systems. Yeah. Um, especially the old ones. And my dad worked at an old one for a really long time. So if you would walk into the garage, it's all black on like one side of the wall from all of the fumes. From Good the Lord. Yeah, exactly. The things we know now, right? Yeah. Like... And, and for, so in the state of Texas, it's considered if a firefighter gets cancer, it's considered they got it on the job. So they qualify for workers comp. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, the city of San Antonio, 
um, instead of the burden of proof being on them, it was pretty much on my dad. So my dad kind of went kind of at it with the city being like, hey, this was causing the job. And mm -hmm. even though they're supposed to be the ones that are proving that it wasn't, it seemed like my dad had to be the one to prove that it, it was. was. So he had to go to the doctor. Every single doctor's appointment he ever had, he had to like find the paperwork, find all this stuff, get with the lawyer. And it stinks because back then what the city was doing was waiting until these poor firemen and firewomen would pass away because they kept on like pushing back the dates yeah. of like, you know, recognizing See, that's that this was kind of bullshit. The job. Like, I just yeah, can't. No, it was, I can't with that. And like, being, I had no idea this was going on until this happened with my dad. And I was like, this is so frustrating. And my dad's a very private person. And I would be like, you need to go to the media. And especially me, his daughter being a reporter, <laughs> he's, very, he's a very private person. And I'm like, dad, you need to talk to the reporters. Like, you need to put this out there. Luckily, I mean, well, unfortunately, there were other, you know, firefighters going through the same battle that did talk to media and did put this information out there. And um, before it took, gosh, I'm trying to remember when, I mean, was that in 2013? It's 20, about to be 2020 now. Mm -hmm. Last year, they finally settled with my dad without having to go to court, recognizing Okay, this was causing the job. We owe you all of this money. Oh my because god! Because because before this all happened, my dad had to besides insurance, my dad had to pay everything out of pocket. Mm -hmm. And like the shots that he was getting for his chemo were eight thousand dollars each and up. You know, so this is stuff. Oh that, yeah, it blows my mind yeah. what they charge for treatment. Yeah, exactly. So it was really frustrating, but like I remember getting the phone call last year when he told me, and I was like crying. I was in the newsroom. I was like crying. I was like, yes, happy day. Yes. You know, and it was, it was really, you know, great to finally see that they're recognizing this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. We need to take care of the men and women that take care of us. And it was finally just, I felt like a shoulder, a weight was lifted off of our shoulders. But, Absolutely, yeah. financial burden. Hell, you combine a health burden with a financial burden. I mean, it's hard to see, yeah. you know, any light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, and it just it took forever, but it finally has happened. So slowly, they're paying my dad back. But because this kind of ordeal is kind of new here, or in in San Antonio, and actually here too, I've talked to the Corpus Christi Fire Department about this here. Um, their firefighters have to go to MD Anderson in Houston because they don't have any current doctors that take workman's comp for mm -hmm. this kind of thing. So it's kind of, it stinks because they have to travel all the way to Houston, you know, once a month or however long they have to go to. Um, but they're getting better health care. Exactly. Better doctor. I mean, it's MD Anderson. People go there from all over the country. Yep. So it's it's kind of a blessing in disguise. I agree. Um, even though it took long. But yeah, the cancer's out of his system but he does take an oral chemo pill every day to suppress it mm -hmm. get it from coming back mm -hmm. so it, it's something that he realizes and my dad's a realist and I, I have I am too I get that from him um, that it will come back we're just hoping that it doesn't come back you know sooner and my yes. dad's a healthy guy like he works out he's healthy I mean there are times where you know he has his pizza and stuff like that I mean we can't. You gotta you know, live. You, you can't. Gotta go, yeah, exactly. You gotta live. But he <clears throat> takes care of himself, and I'm really thankful that he is someone that you know is very health conscious. Because the doctors have told him because you, you're treating your body this way and, and doing so well, that's what's kind of keeping things Absolutely. from going awry. You know, you're you're 
doing the best you can and it's paying off because I think every time he goes to the doctor, they draw blood work and they'll tell him his iron, they'll tell him everything and mm-hmm. be like, these are your levels. And it, it it's incredible, like, the response your body has to, like, eating healthy. And yes. I don't want to be a hypocrite because I'm not the healthiest person and my dad gets on me about it all the time. But it's just learning about stuff through him and what works and what doesn't work is just mm-hmm. really interesting. But Well, I think that's cool, too, because you said, uh, you know, that you take after your dad, um in a certain way and I think you do even more so with the being like a you know a little bit tenacious and persistent you know like you didn't immediately get the behind the desk position Mm -hmm. and it took some time but here you are just like he didn't immediately get the results from city of San Antonio but they they came yeah you know y'all didn't give up y'all y'all persisted yeah and I mean gosh and the amount what's good about being part of the fire family, even military or police, is like it's a true like brother and sisterhood. Um, it's incredible how many people came to my dad's side when he was diagnosed, came to his side whenever he had his stem cell transplant. Like lines of people, people waiting, calling, texting. It's just amazing the support you get from that community, and I'll always be thankful. Like even coming here, I've met with all the fire departments, police departments. My mom was a dispatcher in San Antonio for many years. So like I have a wow. connection to first responders and even just talking to them and mentioning them, oh, my dad did this or oh, my mom did this. It's like an immediate like, all right, like mm-hmm. we got this, you know, we're cool. That's very you know? interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, the ties to first responders, uh, oftentimes you are on the scene with a lot of first responders mm-hmm. when you're doing your reporting not to mention the fact that you have, like, your criminal justice background. It's just interesting Yeah, to it's, me. A, it's a certain level of respect you get and uh, trust in talking to the different leaders of different fire departments and police departments. Um, yeah, there's just a mutual respect there. Not that they wouldn't give that to anyone else, but just they know my experience and they know I'm going to respect their boundaries. Um, because in journalism, you know, you have to be, you know, persistent. You mm-hmm. have to be like, what's going on and this and this. But there's sometimes where journalists can kind of overstep their boundaries Absolutely. to get a story. And people have to remember, and I think even journalists have to remember, we're human first. Mm-hmm. And we have to oh, respect. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, Thank no, you for saying that. Yeah, no, we have to respect um, these people. And especially when, when someone's passed away or when s- someone's hurt. You know, it's it. I don't want to go up to that person and say, put a microphone in their camera in their face. And some people, that's their method of doing things. But that's not mine. Mm-hmm. And that's not a lot of my friends in journalism. That's not what we do. We're human. We understand. And, we, and we're the first to say that. And it is our job to try to contact them. And we try to do so in the most humble and respectful way and say, you know, I know you're going through a really hard time right now. I'm really sorry about what happened. Let me know if there's anything you can do. Do you mind talking about their life? Or what, you know, you don't want to talk about what happened. Of course. You know, I mean, of course you want to find out. But that's more you can find out with police and and fire and stuff. But just respecting people's boundaries, whether it's first responders or, you know, people in the community with whatever they're going through. And definitely through this experience and working with first responders, too, it's helped kind of me navigate through being out in the field and reporting but yeah it's on like tangent <laughs> no no I love it because it all ties in so perfectly you know I mean you're you it seems to me are, are very much about justice not in like an aggressive way but just hey there's something here let's 
yeah. talk to those who can spread the word kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're looking at it from a very organic place. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I, that's what I mean. I, it is in your blood. I can just tell. Yeah. <laughs> you're incorporating it into so many aspects of your life. Yeah, and I'm the first person to ask people a bunch of questions when I meet them. Same. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> my, I'm the same way. My reporter's coming out. Like, yeah. I apologize. And they're like, no, it's fine. And then it's... it's. I got told I was, I was interrogating someone the other day. Oh, but no. I thought like I have a light in front of their face. And I'm like, where were you on the night of... <laughs> Whatever. But no, I'm the same way because I'm like, why? How do you feel about this? And what did you do then? And yeah. Because yeah, I, I, you're curious. Yeah. You want to know. And like I, in college, I took a lot of anthropology classes because I just love learning about people mm-hmm. and just, you know, what they think and why they think certain things and why they do certain things and like their mind and like... I don't know. It's just people are just interesting to me. Of course, we all have those days where, like, I want to talk to anyone. Uh, yes. I want to be underneath the And that's so and hard. Leave me alone. Yes, because you have to be. And, and, and I mean, you're going to be, not only are you having to talk to people, but you're also going to be on television. Yeah. Um. So you didn't renew your contract with. Yeah, with. I didn't renew my contract in Waco. So I came home to be with my dad. So my whole kind of goal. Um, besides, you know, moving up in the industry is to to remain close to him because God forbid anything happen. I don't want to be in a different state and not be there for him. So Mm -hmm. it's really important for me to be close to my dad, even if it's like, you know, I work on Christmas, but at least I can go home on lunch break and see him or he can come by the station, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. Is he here in Corpus? He's in San Antonio, but he comes down all the time. Got it. And like, I love my dad so much. So, I know, I love that. <laughs> so when I, you know, work on holidays, he'll come down and he'll spend the holiday I with love me. that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. That's another thing kind of like, you know, it's just me and him where like he can do that and he doesn't have like any kind of distractions, selfishly. I mean, that's what I think. <laughs> but, it, but it's nice because he's he, he loves me so much that he will come down and even if it's just for a day, mm-hmm. you know, and then we'll drive up to San Antonio together. Or no, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. You have a close relationship with your father. Yeah, that's no, amazing. I do. And I love my family so much. And I love my mom, my stepdad, of course. Um, and actually my, like, when, right when I was going to move to Waco, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was like, why Holy is this shit. happening to us? You know? Like, the, no, it, like you said, <laughs> it's the timing. Yes. Because I, I firmly believe everything, everything's always working out. Yeah. Even when it doesn't seem like it's working out, mm-hmm. it's always working out. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, it was, it was hard, you know, because I was like, why? Like, I already have to worry about my dad. Like, why? You know, I had a mo. You know, and I don't know how religious you are. I, you know, I believe there's a God, and you know, I've had a lot of faith growing up. I mean, it's kind of been a roller coaster with it. Like most people, we like most people. Um, but I, I do believe things happen for a reason, and there's a higher power up there. And you know, I was looking up and being like, why? Why is this happening? And maybe it was a selfish thing for a second. I was like, why is this happening to me? But it's not happening to me. It's happening to them. But it involves, you know, of course. Like I don't want to have to worry about my mom too. I want to know that she'll be okay. Luckily, she is okay. She, you know, got chemotherapy. She did have a double mastectomy mm-hmm. um, and had reconstructive surgery. She's so, a survivor. Yeah, she That's is fantastic. a survivor. And she, oh, my mom, she is just like me. I'm just like her. Mm-hmm. She's very talkative and, you know, and funny. And she, she laughs at her own jokes. And oh, same. I love you, Pearl. Hashtag Pearl. Everyone around the station knows her as Pearl. I, is that her name? Yeah, her name's Pearl. That's beautiful. And it's not out of disrespect. I won't call her Pearl like to her face I'll of say course. mom but when I talk about her I say Pearl because mm-hmm. it's a fun name it like, is a fun Pearl. name oh Pearl the world <laughs> yeah and then like when we're at like a, a like a store or something I'll be like mom 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 
and she won't turn around. And then I'm like, Pearl! <laughs> She'll turn around. She brought that upon herself. <laughs> yeah, herself. exactly. So everyone knows Pearl. She is a big personality, and she's just, everyone wants to be friends with her. She's, she's crazy in a good way. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted to come home to be close to them. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do? I thought maybe two, three months I was going to be without, you know, I was without a job for six months. And to me, that was a lot, especially moving back home after living on your own. Yes. Oh my gosh. That drove, I'm sure I drove my parents, my mom and my stepdad crazy. They drove me crazy too, but yes, I was appreciative of them letting me live there in the six months. But you know, you get to a point where you're like, what am I doing? Like, and part of me had too much pride and I hate myself for, you know, having too much pride, but I was like, I'm not going to go work here and I'm not going to work there. Like outside of the industry because, uh, yes. you know, I, you know, I've already been here. I'm a college no, I, graduate. I respect and like, that. Yeah. You know. Well, cause you were, you were able to, because yeah. you were able to stay with your mom and right. stepdad. Luckily, if, if I hadn't, then I would have probably had to do that and like tough, you know, yeah. crap. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was there for six months. I had applied for, you know, areas around here, applied to Corpus Christi. I grew up coming down here my whole life, going fishing with my dad, going to the beach with my mom and my siblings and stuff. And then, um, yeah, I got a call from my news director at the time and he was, was like... Was it Richard? No, no. He was before. It was, okay. it, it was, um, after AR, after Richard. Okay. Um, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, uh, Oscar. Yeah, he had called me and was like, hey, I see that you had applied. And I was like, yeah, like a month ago, mm-hmm. a month, two months ago. And he was like, yeah, you know, we're really, we're really, in, you know, interested and in, like, tell me about yourself. And I, you know, told him, you know, what I like and what I've done and, you know, from San Antonio, but I grew up going to Corpus and he must've been desperate, but so was I, because for being in San Antonio, he never had me come down and tour the station. Really? (laughs) But the next day he was like, okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take it. You know, (laughs) it's it's close to home. I I have no idea what the station looks like. I don't know what the equipment looks like. I don't know who the people are, you know, like. But I said yes because I was like, you know what? What what else am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. And it can be an opportunity to grow. And then when I learned more about the station, how um, established it was, and how it's been number one for so long, yes. and Joe Gazin, and then Kati at the time, Bill Bessie, mm-hmm. like Rudy Trevino, like all of these people, I'm like looking up and like, you know, watching their newscasts and their stories, and I'm like, all right, this reminds me of home, like a station at home. This is very established, and I feel like I can learn a lot from the people here. So I came down here, and gosh, I was so happy. <laughs> I remember meeting you. Like yeah. You were like a, a pretty new hire. I just had my kid. Yeah. It was like my, yeah. fir- my first night out. We'll and, and, yeah, and, and yeah. I got to, to meet you, and I just remember thinking, like, this girl's excited, and I'm excited for her. <laughs> yeah, it was it was cool. And then there was, you know, a, a group of young journalists that, you know, came straight from college, and I became really good friends with them because even though I had had a job prior, um, I didn't have the experience and the new, the newsroom experience, especially that I wanted out of it. So it still felt like I was almost fresh out of college with the rest of these reporters. And it really bonded us because we were like, okay, we kind of don't know what we're doing, but we, we kind of do. And mm-hmm. we're, we're excited and we're, you know, we want to work hard and do well. And, you know, we, we have been, and we did lose some people. We're still friends. You know, <laughs> you know who you are. Yes. <laughs> We're still good well, friends. Well, that, that's the testimony to the friendships that are created there. Because Dale's been out of there for a while. Dale's gone and come, been there, left, been there, left. Yeah. And, like, still... 
and like and talking to people too i mean they miss it you Mm -hmm. know they miss the friendships that i mean we're still friends we still see each other outside in the newsroom but like seeing those people every day is different from seeing them you know once or twice a month so but you just take the opportunity to learn everywhere you can and like fight like i I'm a very stubborn person. I get that from both my parents and like. Are you a Taurus? No, I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> okay. You know. Oh, your birthday's coming up. Yes, yes, January twenty second. Oh yeah. man. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm very much. I've never been afraid to show my opinion. It's gotten me in trouble a lot, but it's also gotten me places that I didn't think I would be. Um, but, I don't know. I guess that's just part of my personality. Is you know, you're not going to always agree with everyone, especially people that have more experience. I mean, there's going to be that respect there, of course, but, you know, just because things have been a certain way for so long and have worked for so long, and my GM just said this in a meeting, um, doesn't mean that it's going to work forever. And, you know, with Uh, technology and digital media and everything, a lot of news is going more digital. People don't really turn on the TV anymore. They, the first thing they do is check their Facebook, check Daily Mail, check, you know, whatever. Um, so that's where the age is going. So we're kind of trying to mold ourselves in the younger generation. We're like, Oh, we got this, Mm -hmm. you know, but for some of the older generation, it's kind of harder to get to that spot. And they are, and a lot of them are willing to, they're like, all right, but you might take a few extra steps to teach me, but I'm willing to learn. And that's great because in this digital age, we're all learning to come together and, um, produce a better product, Uh, you know, and I hate saying product, I guess, because it's, it's people's lives and what's going on in the community. And I don't want to say product, but I guess. You know, I mean, broadcast. ultimately, that's what you're yeah. providing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've been here two and a half years. I say you've <laughs> done pretty damn well because now that you mention it, because in this station, you've gone from reporter to anchor. Mm-hmm. And you've also, you were a finalist for the Texas AP yes. award. Oh, my God. Totally forgot about that. Thank you for mentioning How that. in the world could you forget that? I That's don't know. That's freaking awesome. Uh, <laughs> and it was for a pretty cool story. I know it was a serious, or not story, but. Well, it was, so, um, I'm like, what year is it? So, 2018, in the summer, there was a standoff in Premont, which is like almost two hours away from here. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a man um, who it's obvious now that he had some mental issues was on his porch with a shotgun and was like threatening people outside. And this is a Premont's a really small community. Mm -hmm. So like there was a bunch of houses around this guy. So the neighbors called, you know, police or whatever. He ended up going in the house and he had like gas cans and stuff. So they were afraid he was going to like blow Blow up the house and, you know, hurt himself. So, um, I remember my producer, producer Carlos at the time, love you, Carlos, shout out. Yes. Um, Carlos is good people. I love you so much. Um, he had he had said, okay, you're going to go to Premont. We don't have a photographer to send with you. Because sometimes on big stories, they'll send a photographer or live shots for, you know, protection. They'll send another person with you. He was like, you're going to have to go by yourself. I know it's hot. It's like in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a tan while I was there. <laughs> it was like farmer's yeah. tan. Um, so I go out there and, you know, there's only one other station there and they're from the valley. And it's just, we're kind of... You know, we're out of the line of fire. You know, there's a bunch of SWAT officers out there and different officers from different agencies. And they're telling us, like, stay away. And we're like, what's going on? And we had gotten, you know, the information pretty... We were out there for, like, four hours. And they had... The police had been out there for maybe, like, six or eight. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't find out about it till later on. But um, we got the information. And they're like, okay, we're going to need you to go live at five and at six. And I'm wow. like, wait, what? You know, and... Because going live... <laughs> 
I mean, it's a process. Yes, and yeah. there's no room for error. No. I mean, no. obviously things happen, but well, for the most part, yeah. like, you need to be like on. Point. Yeah, and you and what's what's okay. Breaking news is exciting because for me personally, that's my niche because you don't have a script. You kind of just go off of what you see mm-hmm. and what police tell you. Well, and I can tell you're just good at off the cuff. Oh, thanks. I can tell. Thanks. Yes. Um. So yeah, you you. It's exciting. But at the same time, yeah, there's no room for error. You can't say, you know, something happened when it didn't, or we heard this on the scanners, mm-hmm. or we heard this because things are always changing yes. in those situations. Including the information you're getting. Yes, exactly. Ugh. Yeah, no, and sometimes law enforcement are like, you know, sorry, we got this, you know. And, yeah. And that's just the nature of, for sure. you know, things that happen. So, you know, we want you live five and six. And for people that don't know, Back in the day, we had these big live satellite trucks. You see them on TV and stories or whatever. Now, we have these little backpacks. They're like, you know, like a smaller than the backpack you probably carried to school when you were a kid. And those are our transmitters. You're so, kidding. So yeah. You're like a little... Yeah, it's like, well, it doesn't have like a, a antenna. A, antenna, which you think it would. I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you basically like hook it up to your camera, you turn it on, and it connects to cell towers. Oh. So what you do is you call the engineers at your station, you say, hey, I'm up, I'm with this backpack because they have numbers on them. And then they do their magic back there. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I, it's magic. I'm, yeah. I think it's magic. <laughs> they're I literally wizards. Yeah, they're wizards back there. They really are. Um, you know, and then they connect it and then you can see yourself and the backpack will say live and those are transmitters. That's how we go live now, which is great for like mobile, you know, newscasting. That's just how it works now. So, you know, I'm setting up my live shot and I don't really have like an interview. And what's cool about these backpacks is you can also send footage back. So say like I got a last minute interview, I can shoot it and then I can connect it to the camera. They can go to an edit bay and they can tell the editor, Hey, we need you to like record what we're sending you. So I'll like, I'll press the playback on my camera. It's playing on my little screen and back at the studios, they're recording everything that I'm saying. I mean, yeah, or whatever, wherever. Yeah. Yeah. So they're recording it. So that's, what's great about, you know, last minute stuff. For sure. Yeah, yeah, instead of you having to make the drive back, it wouldn't even make the Exactly. Cut. And the bad thing, though, is that sometimes in certain areas you don't get cell footage. So where you don't get cell footage, it's really hard for you to, for a backpack to. Yeah. So sometimes we'll have to drive to Starbucks or, like, oh, Burger King yes. or somewhere with Wi-Fi to, like, you know, use mm-hmm. that. But anyway, yeah, no, I went live for five and six and just did, like, a whole – I don't even know how long it was. I have to go back and look. But just basically said, you know – at the end of the day, no one was hurt, and that's what's most important. They, they sure. ended up talking the guy out. They actually had, like, a bulldozer. I didn't know this, but certain police um, agencies have these bulldozers to, like, get into things without, like, getting people hurt. Like, wow. But it's obviously they're not going to go on the side he's on. But yes. you know what I mean? So, you know, I described what I saw, what police told me, and it was just, oh, it was hot as heck that day. I was so sweaty. Um, I was, <laughs> it was so dark after that. But <laughs> it, I felt good about it because I was like, you know, like, we said, at the end of the day, everyone was safe. I mean, how many first responders were out here with their guns drawn? Yep. And with this guy who was armed himself and was, you know, saying a bunch of things to police and surrounded by neighbors, everyone made it home okay. And that was, like, the big thing that I kept on emphasizing because people don't really think about it. They're like, all right, the scene's over. Like, everyone's going home. But I just yeah. wanted to emphasize stuff like this happens all the time. And not a lot of times the results are the way they are, you know, like with everyone safe. Yes, Something because happens. you've seen a lot. Yeah. You've seen it go both yeah, ways. Exactly. So it was a good day and I felt good about it. And when award season came, so usually between like January 
to like April is when you submit for awards. And um, we got an email saying, hey, if you want to submit anything. And I was like, I think I'm going to submit that because like breaking news is my niche. I think I did a good job. You know, I stumbled a couple of times, but I mean, it's breaking news. So exactly. going to happen. So, um, yeah, I submitted it. And then so with the AP awards, the way it works is, um, you know, a certain amount of people uh, submit their, you know, their live shots or stories and then it's narrowed down to two people they don't tell you like the other finalists they just narrow it down to two and then they invite you to an awards banquet and then when you're there you find out if you were first or second wow so yeah i got nominated i was like crying because it's i just amazing i was to like be recognized yeah and i mean that's all i wanted like i didn't even care to win i was just like i exactly. just to be nominated and to be recognized for that hard work and that you know long day that i had like Oh my gosh, like it was one of the best days. I remember like calling my dad and my mom and crying and be like, oh, it's know? huge. Like, yeah, it was, it was just, I, I never thought that it was going to happen and it did. So, um, my colleague, Bill Churchwell, love him to death. Amazing, hey, Bill, love yeah, him too. Amazing journalist. Amazing. Like, yes. if you, if you guys haven't seen any of Bill Churchwell's work, you need to. He does, um, unsolved files. He just did an amazing sweet I love that. On a, you know, on a, a, a man that possibly could have been a serial killer. He just does amazing work and he's really been like a big brother slash mentor to me at the station. He got nominated as well. So we went up to Austin together and we went to the awards. I brought my mom and my dad because regardless of if I won, I wanted them to be there to experience. Yes. And especially, I mean, you know, not to be negative, but I don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with their health or anything. So I wanted them to, to, to be able to experience this because, I mean, of course I'm going to keep on, you know, submitting for awards, you know, in the future, Please do. but I'll try. <laughs> but, um, you know, I wanted them to be there regardless. So, um, I didn't end up winning. Um, I ended up, um, getting second place, which that's huge. That's, yeah. Like I second, don't care. Second yeah. place is huge. And I me. mean, I kind of knew it. I was up against, um, one of my friends, Emily, who was at, out of all the stations in Texas, the competitor next door is the one that gets nominated with me. But no, she she's fantastic, and mm -hmm. she's now in Ohio. But she um, she won, and I was happy for her. We were at tables next to each other, and I gave her a hug. And That's fantastic. you know, it was it was a fun night, and it's cool because, like I said, journalism it's a really small world. So while I was at the banquet, I saw a lot of people that I knew from Waco or from Austin because Waco is so close to Austin, and a lot of people that were in Waco ended up going to Austin or San Antonio. So I you know I saw a lot of journalists that I looked up to or knew and I was like hi hi, hi you know yes. just saying hi so yeah no I, I felt very honored just to be nominated and just I don't know I hope I hope to to submit some awards here in the future you should because but. you were also involved in um you did the live shot for the San Antonio news station oh, right that was so exciting yeah yes well um, and that was pertained to that idiot Yes. That came down here and murdered that vacation in Couple yes. Island. Well, accused. accused. Right, right, right. Yes. Allegedly, he, has, he hasn't been. He hasn't been charged formally with right, her. Right, right, right. But no, um, yeah, there was a a poor couple from New Hampshire. They're not poor, but you know what I mean. They're from New Hampshire. Uh, they came down um, and were in an RV. You know, just on vacation here, and um, unfortunately, they were murdered. And um, they through amazing police work and investigative work between different agencies they were able to find um the couple's rv crossing the border with a man and a woman um you know in the car and they're like that's not this couple obviously and with help from mexican officials they were able to find them and extradite mm -hmm. them back here so <laughs> the week that you know i had been following the story i had been covering it i come in one day and they're like you, you you're getting the story of the year i'm like what are you talking about they're like 
they're they have this guy and they're bringing him and he they're extraditing him to Houston and then they're driving him from Houston to Kingsville because a lot of people don't know this but like on the beach it it turns into Clayburgh County mm-hmm. so if you go further down like Pins and stuff that's all Clayburgh, Clayburgh. County yep. and you think of Kingsville and like that's a Clayburgh County is a big area yes but so anyway Clayburgh County was the agency or where everything happened so he was going to be driven from Houston to um, the uh, Clayburgh County Sheriff's Office and they were like we want you to stake out the jail to see if you can you know talk to him or you know whatever so I go out there and um, that my boss also told me hey you're gonna go live with Ken's and she knows I'm from San Antonio and Ken's is our sister station um, in San Antonio and I was like oh my gosh like my family's gonna my family my mom and my dad will stream like our newscast because you can so they see me every day but it's not in our home market mm-hmm. so um, yeah they were really excited and we ended up uh, being the only ones there and exclusively getting an interview with this guy because at first they weren't gonna let us talk to him they were gonna bring him through the back and um, they ended up letting us talk to him. Wow. So, but it happened so fast. Like one moment they're like, "Okay, they're in Odom. Okay, they're in. They're here. They're in Bishop." And we're like, "Oh my God!" You know, we're mm-hmm. we, and keep in mind we're we're also close to showtime. So the way it works is, you know, I have my little backpack and I go live for my show. So I was the top story because, of course, it was the biggest story. It was a national story. Yes. So you know, I go live for my station hang up on, because we call in to the producers, like in the back in the booth, so they can talk to us in our ear and cue us. Well, after we, you know, hang up with them is when we call Ken's, and then we do a live shot like that. So it's like back to back. Yes. You don't really have much time to, like, breathe. You're just like, boop, boop. <laughs> so it was kind of cool, because it was like practice, and then, you know. But anyway, I ended up doing better the first time, because the second time I was more nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we're getting ready for showtime, and, you know, we're setting up the lights. I luckily have my photographer, Joe, with me. And then all of a sudden they're like, they're pulling around the block and we're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You know, we have to hook up the backpack and hook up yeah. everything and like, oh you know, so we're like freaking out and I'm like yelling at Joe, not in like a bad way, but I'm like, Joe, we need to go over here, go over here, you know, and the guy comes in, a, a, you know, a, an SUV, a sheriff's car, whatever, and he comes out and this guy, and I didn't realize this till like later, I mean, I saw a mugshot of him, is scary looking, like straight up out of like I don't know if you ever saw Nip Tuck mm-hmm. where like the episode where it's like a, a gangster and he has like tattoos all over his head and like mm-hmm. you could tell he had some ties to some organized crime and yeah. stuff. Tall, you know, just looks kinda look kinda scary. Yeah. But I didn't have any time to think about that. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be a journalist, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the best I can and who else is gonna get this? No one else is here. So as soon as he gets out of the car, I just start going up to him with like a mic and I'm like, Did you you know, did you know so and so? Did you wow. kill them? Where you know, wow. where did you why did you go to Mexico? Where were you going? Mm-hmm. And like he's not really answering, like he's kinda like, No, no, you know, kind of and I had no time to think about what this person could have possibly done until after, after. but you know, we go inside and it just happened so quick. It happened so quick. And literally right after that, we went straight into the live shots. So, you know, we, we they walked him into the jail to where we couldn't see him anymore. And I'll just always remember the look. He looked back because it, it was happening so fast. And Joe, the photographer, poor guy, his cord, because his cord was connected to the backpack and the camera, got stuck on like a chair that was in the hallway so he couldn't move as far as he wanted to Mm -hmm. but he did end up getting it unhooked and he got closer to the door where this guy was and before they move him into another door where we can't see him anymore he like looks back 
and gives this like oh my gosh chilling look like oh like, you just gave me chills yeah dude. no because like, i know what you're talking yeah, about like, like there's just certain people who have a look yeah i know exactly yeah, what you're and i don't about. think it was until that moment that i realized like how dangerous mm-hmm. this person is or you know was or whatever so, you know, I did the live shots. I, you know, I knew the tag out for the station because I, you know, was watching it my whole life. And I felt this sense of like, I did it. You know, mm-hmm. I did, you know, my family got to see that. And I started getting like random texts from people. Like my friend, um, she just happened, she doesn't watch the news, but she just happened to be at her grandparents' wow. house, turned on the TV and took a picture and was like, oh my God. I'm like, whoa. Cause I didn't tell anyone. I just told my parents, but of course they sent out a mass text <laughs> to the whole familia. They're so proud and, of you, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, they have to be so proud of yeah, you. Yeah. And it's just so weird because it's like, it's my job, but like, it's still, you know, exciting moments like that are like, this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, and it was just exciting because we were, it was an exclusive. We were the only station that had that and you know even my friends from the other station we actually ended up getting drinks afterwards and they were like I would need darn to. it like you got us but they were you know they were happy for me they were mm-hmm. like you know good for you you know you you did what you could you did your best and you did awesome and I was just like thank you you know like it yes just, it to, to get that kind of uh like those kinds of um validations from yeah. peers yeah people doing the same thing it, I love that yeah and, it, and it's, it's not priceless. like we need them but it's just so nice for sure it's so like you're like, thank you, you know, because you, sometimes you just don't think anyone's watching or yep. anyone's paying attention to what you do. And a testament to that is I went to my 10-year high school reunion on Saturday, and I was so surprised at how many people knew what I was doing. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know you cared. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I, I just think of me as me. I don't really, like, I mean, I love journalism, and I love being, like, you know, aggressive about it and be like, you know, but I just never think that people you know, are, are paying attention to what I'm doing or like thinking of it as like something great. So to, to hear that from like family members and friends after that, and even management from my, especially management mm-hmm. from my station, um, really made me feel good. It was emotional. It was an emotional day for me. I mean, it was draining for one because of all of like the last minute stuff. Cause first he was coming and then he wasn't coming and then it was going to be tomorrow. And then it's a lot of stuff and that's how news is. So you have to be on your toes all the time and learn how to deal with pressure. But that was a really cool day. It that was is exciting. No. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Cause you said, you know, you don't know who's watching and you, you do probably assume that not people other than family and very close friends. Nobody else is watching, but I can just tell. I mean, you're so genuine. You care. Like you said, you know, you are you have no problem expressing your opinion because you are who you are. Like, you'll only represent yeah. your true self. And people can see that and appreciate it so much. And so I just want to thank you for being that kind of person. I mean, especially yeah. in such... Like, you're very much in the public eye and you're going to be even more so now. And uh, that that's the kind of representation that we need. That's the kind of person that people want to get news from you know thank you yes and so i just want to tell you to just keep kicking ass Thanks. and doing your thing i know you have to be at work in like an hour and a half and so i'm like trying mm. to wrap it up <laughs> I'm like, eh, it's okay. but no i just think you're incredible and just know you know we are watching we're fans thank and you. we just love that you're here in corpus and doing your thing thanks and i'm lucky to be surrounded by people that are very authentic um people and i think that's what's great the younger generation coming into journalism is like it's less about being 
Like I like we said in the beginning, the robotic anchor that's going like this. <laughs> yeah. Not saying that anyone I know is like that, but you know, like the people that you see on like movies and stuff like that. But like we want to bring a more, you know, transparent way of giving you news. We mm-hmm. don't want what you see on the desk, we want you, that's going to be who you're going to get in person. Yes. Um, and it's, it's just, that's, I mean, that's our brand, known and trusted at, at KIIII. And we want you to be able to trust us and to know who we are. And that's just a better way to have a better relationship with the community. So I'm really lucky and, and fortunate to be part of it. I mean, like any job, it has its days where, you know, cry, you're pulling your hair out. But, For sure. Um, but it stays like, you know, that day and, and the awards and stuff that really solidifies it like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life yes hell yeah Yeah. girl (laughs) so we can see you on the weekend so Saturdays at 5 so Saturday so Saturdays and Sundays Saturdays at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Sundays at 5 30 p.m. it's kind of weird yes 5 30 p.m. and 10 p.m. and then I report Monday and Tuesday oh that's so awesome yes so y'all can see oh y'all aren't gonna hear this till Wednesday so y'all can see her (laughs) Well, probably, like she said, reporting throughout the week and then definitely evening shows Saturday and Sunday. So tune in to KIIII. Check out Taylor delivering kick-ass news. Thanks. Can I give a Can I give a, yes. um, a plug? Um, do, oh, yeah. and social media, too. That's where I kind of post most about my life and just what's going on. And Please. Like, if y'all you have any story a, ideas, too. Ooh, oh, story yeah. ideas. Hit her up. you know... It, if you know someone that needs a win in the community, because I love, you know, hard news is great and I love breaking news, but especially these the, the stories that tear your heartstrings. The, a lot of people complain that, oh, we don't watch the news because it's negative. Well, we want to tell the stories of people in the community that need a win, that need, um, you know, maybe... Like, for instance, there's a store in another market where there was an elderly man who used to ride a motorcycle, but he's too sick to ride a motorcycle, and he was part of a motorcycle club, and that was, like, his life before that. Wow. Well, a reporter in the morning surprised him with a motorcycle club that had driven up, I think this was in Houston, driven up from South Texas and gone to Houston just to see him and say hi, and it was just a really emotional moment, but we want to connect people in the community with each other. Mm -hmm. If you need something, if you're worried about something, if you're concerned about something, please let us know because we want to help you, and that is our way of helping you. So if you have any story ideas, um, you can head to my Facebook. Um, You just look up Taylor Alanis TV. Um, or email me at talanis, A-L-A-N-I-S, at com. I would really appreciate it, and I would love to connect with you. Yes, thank you for doing that, because you also featured my friend Sammy, who was on an episode yes. for the Fishing Line Project, yes. and oh that's my tremendous. Gosh. No, I loved her, and I loved that story, because we need more people like her in this community that I are agree. really, you know, we. I mean, I've heard plenty of your episodes about Corpus Christi growing so much, and people needing to take care of it, mm-hmm. and attract more people here and she's doing that and yes that's also what we want to do we want to highlight those awesome stories of yep. what people are doing we want to do what you're doing we want to highlight some awesome ladies <gasps> i love it um you know and dudes, and I'm dudes, sure. and dudes <laughs> <laughs> of course doing great things for our community so guys hit taylor up with any of that heartwarming stuff we need it especially with this holiday season taylor thank you so much for being here thank you